Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich Armies, episode 169. Hey, my Richers, how are you? Today, I continue to dedicate in this podcast to the entrepreneurs that make this world a better place. And I bring for the second time the story of Avi Aron that invented a 3D solution for brain surgeons. After it was very successfully sold, he is now in a mission to save lives. I don't know about you. I feel in these very different times that I should become, how the cliche says, a better version of myself. I don't know about that, but I'm looking more and more how to put my two cents and my few minutes or hours of work each week to make this world a better place. And I encourage you, each of you, to think what changes, very small changes, you choose to do a bit different to make this world a better place. In the meantime, I encourage you to join our Facebook groups, Entrepreneurial Marketing Success and Women Entrepreneurs Starting Out. I love you all. I am excited that you are here with me, listening to this podcast, and I promise to do everything I can and try in my way to make this world a better place for you. I'd love to hear your comments, so email me chayut at richomis.com or leave me your comment on the richomis.com website in the show notes of this episode. I look forward to hearing from you and I promise to answer you right away. Avi Aron is a visionary entrepreneur, executive chairman, a strategic advisor, with extensive knowledge of medical and neurotechnology arenas. Passionate about disrupting medicine for enhancing life quality and utilizing advanced technologies. Invented, founded, and led disruptive companies targeting unmet needs. Envisioned emotion-based personalized predictive preventative solutions. See his TEDx Amsterdam talk set strategy and led Joy Venture to pioneer and cultivate a neuro-wellness consumer product ecosystem. Avi Aron, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hi, Hayut. Thank you. My pleasure. It's so great because we know each other and I just wanted, I needed you to tell your fantastic story to my listeners. I just thought they can't miss it. So thank you so much for coming. It's a great honor. Thanks, but I don't have any fantastic story. I have um, maybe a story of, you know, belief and survival. Hmm. 
Uh, yeah, but what's fantastic is what you have chosen to do with that. And I think this is the story. It's always about what we are choosing to do with that, isn't it? Um, I'm not sure I had any other choice, so I'm <laughs> not sure I even chose. Okay, so what I just shared with our audience a bit of what you've done in the past, and we'll dive into it in a second, but I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today, and where are you heading? Well, so after Vision Sense, which was, uh, I think, a phenomenal success because I invented the technology and procedure um, and that was acquired by Medtronic, which is now saving lives worldwide. We will dive into uh, Vision Sense in a minute. We will go uh, to the story. It's interesting. Yeah. I only gained frustration, okay, because I realized, hmm. and, and I have a TED Talk about it, that most of us will live long and most of us will end up as chronic patients. And instead of helping people after they already develop the disease, I prefer to help them to stay healthy and happy or even, I mean, delay the onset of any disease. And uh, as a technologist, uh, this is what I'm mostly focused. And that's what you're doing today, looking to help people to stay healthier? So I'm, A, I'm, I'm volunteering, you know, on a personal basis, but obviously I would like to develop global sustainable companies and services that can help mankind. After, um, after my TED Talk, I... Uh, founded, obviously not alone, with the team, Joy Ventures, which basically is supposed to bank on the fact that the neuro-wellness market, meaning products for individuals, this is not medical, yeah. to enhance their resilience, reduce stress levels, improve mood, should be a gigantic market. And Joy Ventures is, I left them, but they're still continuing, um, is developing an ecosystem both among the entrepreneurs and among academia, meaning funding long-term startups yeah. and providing grants to academia to research the field. And making the combination between academia to make it happen? Yeah, so I mean, I, I served in, in 8200 in the intelligence force and there it's like <laughs> you, you have phenomenal researchers, you have phenomenal entrepreneurs and you have lots of money and lots of pressure and you mm. mix them all in one pot and phenomenal things come out hmm. uh, and I wanted to do the same in joy ventures and, and I think that uh, it, it is done so first of all need to raise the awareness that we don't want to wait till we develop a disease to start taking care of our health yeah. unfortunately the majority of us will develop a disease and the question is what can we do now? And the reason mm. that it was called joy is because while using these consumer products, people were supposed to enjoy and that would provide them additional motivation. So this is like my passion and dream, helping healthy people stay healthy and happy. But obviously, and unfortunately, too many are ill and diseased. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm working on that, front, on that front as well. Let's go back a bit. I hope people will listen to the TED Talk, but not all of them will. And can you tell me a bit of the story of what made you entrepreneur? What were the stations in the way 
because you have became entrepreneur in a very early stage, isn't it? So first of all, it's TEDx Amsterdam, and if anyone wants to watch. Okay, we'll put the link in the show notes. I was born an entrepreneur, okay? <laughs> all my life I developed, I, I was a maker, okay? So all my life I built and developed, and I'm, I'm not saying invented at a young age, but all my room was, was full with things I created and built, okay? Yeah. And I always improvised, and I always looked for shortcuts, and I always thought... Can you give us an example? What did you create and built in a young age? Yeah, so even before the age of computers, I developed programmable control for my room to <laughs> um, uh, turn off the lights and uh, I electrified the, the door so it would open and close and turn on my uh, heating um, sheet in the winter and everything was completely automatic. So you invented the smart home much, much, much earlier, and most of us didn't even adapt it today. So it's not invented, it's developed, but uh, I had a smart room back in the 80s, okay? <laughs> Where, I, again, wow. before, before the age of computers even. Um, <laughs> and I mean, just that, that's just like one project. Um, yeah, and then you went to the intelligence. Um, I think that was the next step. Yeah. In my army service, which was five years, I, I graduated as a lieutenant. I developed many, many new things, new services, which sure. unfortunately I cannot detail. And after I, I graduated my service while studying electrical engineering yeah. in Tel Aviv University, the ignition system of my motorcycle broke down. <laughs> and instead of paying a fortune for something that I didn't, that had no warranty, I developed, and that was invented, digital ignition systems. So this is back in 92. And while most students, you know, yeah. had a difficulty making a living, I sold these. Again, this was Mototech with a partner and uh, made a lot of money, rode the Ducati, you know, had the... Uh, wow. So I, I, I did it in, in parallel to studying. Wow, I didn't remember this story, actually. This is a great one. So this was a digital ignition system that enhanced performance. And we gave a lifetime guarantee for the product. Oh. And, uh, and the cost was the same as the competition, meaning obscene. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, that was my really the first invention, patent, and startup. And again, this was before the days that I even knew that it was called a startup. Sure. None of us did. Yeah, sure. It wasn't called a startup then. Yeah, and one day, riding on my uh, Ducati between the two startups that I worked and the, the university, I had, a, I had a motorcycle accident on the Ayalon Highway yeah. that changed my life forever. Oh. Um, I was diagnosed with, an, with a brain tumor. Which has nothing to do with the accident, isn't it? Well, it has also, I mean, because I got hit in the head, they scanned my head yeah. and I found the tumor. So the accident basically saved my life yeah. and allowed me to further research it while still not being in dire need for surgery. Obviously, the surgeon that I met told me that I'm, I, I need to have an operation as soon as possible, but I, um, I don't know if it was intuition or, or just uh, a pure Fear, uh, I refused, and I started learning medicine 
enough to envision a new procedure. Wow. The current procedure would have left me uh, disabled, both physically and mentally, and most probably also suffering from epilepsy. Wow. And I envisioned a new surgical approach and had uh, a surgery in, uh, in NYU. I mean, a year and a half later, yeah, I, I searched all over the world for someone that would save my life in, in parallel to learning and practicing lots of alternative medicines. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the surgery was a phenomenal success in the point that they, the physician did not cause any damage, but was a failure in the fact that he could not remove all my tumor. Oh. Um, the reason being that the tumor was extremely deep-seated. It was in the middle of the head. And to get to that location, he needed to, you know, dig through healthy brain. Okay. And he made a tiny, tiny opening. And because of that, he couldn't really see. Okay. And it was immensely frustrating to learn that he did not remove all the tumor and and he explained to me the need and me because of all the frustration that i had yeah. so again it's the same thing you know frustration leading to research leading <laughs> to invention leading to a startup sure uh, i invented a completely different approach to provide him miniature 3d vision and that company was called vision sense and over in 18 years, I took it from an idea and, and patents to a global company to being acquired by Medtronic. Wow, uh, but it's, it also saved your life, isn't it? Uh, no. No? Um, okay. I couldn't raise any funding, so I went and had three more surgeries in Germany and Israel. Again, three because of the complications and... Uh, only after that I could raise the money. I mean, I started, I started it with my funding, but I'm not that rich. So <laughs> uh, when it reached the millions of dollars, I, I had to get VC money. So I, I basically volunteered to have these surgeries when I was still asymptomatic, just so I, would, I, I, I could uh, close on millions of dollars and also marry my love. <laughs> Which is the, the most important thing <laughs> after staying alive, isn't it? And um, so it's interesting. So you, you, um, you actually invented vision sense, but it didn't, it's, it, it didn't help you, but you got saved, isn't it? Well, it took probably something like seven or eight years to develop the technology. Okay. It was okay. insane and, and tens of millions of dollars. Okay. Um, so it, it, it couldn't help me, but I'm, uh, but I'm so happy that it's helping thousands and thousands of people worldwide. You know, it's not about me, right? It, uh, it's no, about uh, others. No, and the happy thing is that you don't need it anymore, isn't it? I, you can be thankfully. healthy and help other people to survive. Well, I think I learned my lesson and um, I completely revised my life. Um, this is, I, I'm, I'm detailing that in the TED Talks. I, I will not bore you, but I'm, I'm not the same person. Uh, I completely changed my thoughts, habits, nutrition, uh, lifestyle, and only for the better. And, I, and I'm actually thankful that I had the brain tumor. Wow. Thankful because it helped me to be a better human being and thankful because it shifted me from inventing stupid ignition systems and Wi-Fi technologies <laughs> yeah. 
to saving human lives. And nowadays I do nothing else than I'm, I'm purely focused on helping people, whether improve their quality of life or save their life. It's very interesting. It's a, probably a, a discussion for another show, but um, actually what you realized is that um, it's not only about saving lives, but about leaving them properly in order to keep us safe. That's what you told us earlier, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, life is, is too short always. <laughs> And unfortunately, typically we don't get a warning before we uh, terminate, right? That's so right. I, I wake up and I ask myself every morning, what can I do to maximize my contribution to humanity? And uh, I'm extremely thankful for even just staying alive, you know, and hmm. for, for having the ability to, to help others. Hmm. And, That's right. And it, it's so sad that we start appreciating our health only once we don't have it. Hmm. That's right. And that's what you're trying to change now. Actually, we met in one of these uh, startups. I, I think that as an entrepreneur, besides saving lives, you also really had to deal with uh, customers and, and raising money and All the business stuff besides the invention, besides the development. And I want to ask you, this podcast is all about customer focus and how to make a business out of our entrepreneurship. And I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur in any field that is out there striving to, to make a business out of their invention? So A things, uh, first of all, for me, everyone are my customers, okay? Hmm. My employees are my customers, the physicians are my customers, the CFO in the hospital is, and I'm here to serve, okay? Hmm. Meaning they are always right, and I'm always thankful for whoever tells me that I'm wrong, because I would like to improve all the time, continuous improvement. Um, I would say that generally I, I don't give advice and I don't believe in teaching. I believe in learning, <laughs> okay? Um, but I think that Vision Sense succeeded in the fact that, I mean, all employees, no exception, stayed in, and, and are still working. And it's like 20 years, this company. I mean, <laughs> phenomenal individuals. Yeah. And the fact that I had such a wonderful relationship that became personal with so many of Vision Sense's customers. And the same, by the way, relates to my investors, okay? And the same relates to the board members. For me, it's all, of course, it's about business. And of course, I'm here to set up a, a, a global, sustainable, extremely profitable company because otherwise I won't be able to provide the services that I wish. Sure. But it's also very, very personal, okay? And I take... Each and every individual, and I don't care whether it's the cleaner hmm. or my strategic partner, I take them personally and I care for them personally hmm. and I try and, and I hope to set a personal relationship with them. It's so fantastic that you're saying that because actually what uh, all the new marketing books and what the discussion now and just came from the social media conference I uh, talked about it with my listeners before. Everything today is about humanity and about giving a feeling of belonging. 
I mean, it is not about advertisement. It's not about pushing something to the people. It's just about listening and caring and belonging and be there also face to face. And this is what is starting to win. It's not about scaling to millions of people. It starts from the personal touch. And you've been like that for many, many years. Um, <laughs> I, I hope. Well, if you study the, the science of happiness, we understand that A, we are a social animal, mm. and B, that we need significant meaning and we need a sense of belonging. It is something that, that we need for our existence. That's right. So it's no wonder, you know, that... Um, Let's say all, most of Vision Sense was, was PhD researchers, you know, physics and image processing, etc. Yeah. And a part of the one-week training before they even joined the company yeah. was to attend a brain surgery in the hospital, hmm. okay? Yeah. So they would really understand. And each and every, again, PhD technological scientific person, we flew them to conferences abroad, okay? Yeah to also see the market and to meet customers, which are, in, in that case, neurosurgeons, etc., because I wanted them to develop their own understanding and to develop a sense of ownership for the company. It's not my company. Hmm. It's their company. I'm only here to serve, you know? <laughs> um, and, and I think that also because it was teamwork and not group work, and they highly enjoyed the you know, the fact that everyone is there for them. Yeah. And one plus one equals three, that, that no one left, you know. It's, uh, wow. So it, it was not about me. It was about the team, really. Hmm. And um, you've got many successes. We started to talk about them, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But I would like to ask you to tell us your biggest, most critical failure with customers. It can be... Any kind of customer. It can be the end user, it could be the neuroscience, the physician, it can be the investor that you wanted to raise money from. I would like to hear about one of the failures that really affected your entrepreneurial journey. Thanks. So first of all, when you say success, you know, so entrepreneurs are blind, so they will remember their success and they will forget their failure. <laughs> and I would say... that many of the successes are because I'm a lucky guy, but I think that being lucky is something proactive. It's not passive. So maybe I made my luck, okay? Sure. Not only in staying alive, but also in making the companies a success. And I can convey that um, the difference between success and failure is very, very thin. Mm. And each of my companies, before eventually succeeding, failed miserably. And only because I had a phenomenal team and only because we were mentally flexible and only because I gave a hug to whoever told me that I'm wrong, hmm. that we made it, okay? Can you tell me about one of these failures? Yeah, I'll tell you about my biggest failure. Yeah, please do. And, and I'm teaching it. There is a case study really? that I taught in Stanford, MIT. It's made by, written by Babson. It's about my biggest failure. Hmm. And I'm teaching it in, in Israel, in, in entrepreneurial MIT, typically. And that's me being too nice and listening to my customers. In that case, it was my board, okay, my investors. We were in the process of raising $20 million with uh, one of the best banks called Piper Jeffrey. Yeah. Uh, for the go-to-market phase in 2001 when, you know, the big crash happened. And sure. uh, 
my friend in Piper Jeffrey called me one day and told me, Avi, I'm sorry, it's not personal. Everything is crashing. Uh, we, we can't raise the money. I set an immediate board meeting. And till then, they told me, Avi, the company is great. You're great. We're always behind you because I, I always manage risks. And then they told me, Avi, we're sorry. Things have changed. We will not support you. Wow. You need to close the company. Wow. And, and the company was like a phenomenal success, you know, till then. And we, I, I, we managed to get an FDA clearance in 18 months. And here we were in early sales globally with a burn rate of $450,000. Wow. And then we learned that we have no more money. And I have $1 million in the bank as balance. Hmm. And during that weekend, instead of closing the company, me, again, with, with two board members, we uh, instituted a completely different plan, and I had to let go the majority of the employees, yeah. buy back all the products that we sold, wow. give back all most offices that we had, and reduce the burn rate from $450,000 to $80,000, okay? Wow. Delay all payments, etc. keep the company alive. Yeah close a million-dollar bridge round and all of this during a weekend, okay? Yeah. And then on Sunday, I called my board and I told them, look, this is what we did. Please support me. And I called in all the employees and I, because they were my partners all along and I shared everything. Uh, some of them, instead of leaving the company, decided to stay with no pay. Okay. Unbelievable. It and is. So this was... My, my biggest failure was that... I know that I need to keep the company lean, but my board told me, look, if you want to raise 20 million, you need to enhance okay. the burn rate. And, and this was the 2001, you know, the, the balloon days. Yeah. And I hired too many people, hmm. okay, yeah. that eventually I, I, I let go, you know, and this is a mistake that I will never, ever repeat. Wow. Um, and a startup should always stay as lean as possible hmm. and reach break even and profit as soon as they can. Hmm. It's so important that you're saying that because, again, sometimes it's much easier to stay and develop again and again. And sometimes I see the endless development teams in each company, each new startups that uh, perhaps one person is trying to sell and market their product. Yeah, so I... <laughs> In all, and I'm involved with many companies. I'm, I serve as executive, executive chairman. Uh, this is my focus, you know, like the lean startup. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I did not invent the concept, but... Uh, no, this is, a, this is a Eric Reis. But... Yeah, Eric Reis. But I, I learned it over my almost <laughs> dead body, you know, and uh, I'm probably shorter, have more white hair and more scars because of... I, I did not sleep weeks because I had to fire my best friends wow. and the most loyal employees that gave their heart and soul to the wow. company. And now I want a story about your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something or approach, something you did right about approaching your customers. You can also look at your employees as customers. I think that's the right way to look at them. So... What is your greatest success, not in terms of developing something, but in terms of making it work, making it succeed? So again, I, I, I think if you're relating to vision sense, I think that it's very com extremely complex technologies. Yeah. It's not mine. It's hmm. the team. It's the team that 
consists of like 20 employees, mostly PhDs, that was able to overcome the various technological, physiological, packaging, pricing barriers that till then were considered impossible. Mm. So they made the impossible happen. I I just gave them a hug and served them good espresso. <laughs> if, if, you, if, if, if you ask me what is my greatest yeah. achievement, it's from being able to orchestrate all this and to save lives worldwide. Wow. So this is me, but it's, it's really, it's, it's not mine. You know, it's, it's the team. It's also perhaps the successes by building the teams and it goes back to the personal touch. <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have any big success, you know, and... Uh, of course you do. I, of course if you do. Vision Sciences is a huge success, but no, yeah. I, everything, everything is a journey. In terms of how you look at that. It's just like another milestone on, on the long journey, you know. That's right. That's right, but we need some successes in this journey as well, and you did have them. You know, there are many factors that affect success, but I do believe that for each of us, there is one or two, but usually one factor that really works for them, something that really made it for them. And I want to ask you, what is your um, one key success factor? I think it's mental flexibility. It's putting my ego aside. And doing the best for hmm. our cause and target, okay? so it's it's always extremely unpleasant that you think that you're smart and someone tells you, "Hey, you're wrong." It immediately hmm. uh, it, it, you feel the, the pain in the ego immediately, and instead of and you're the CEO, yeah, and instead of uh, killing them on the spot, <laughs> you I, 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 and it took me a long time to learn that I want to give them a big hug and okay. I want to listen to them very, very carefully. whether they are right or not, because A, I want to promote such behavior, and B, most probably, because they're much smarter than me, they're probably right. And, hmm. and only because I was so, <laughs> I, I, I kept mental flexibility, I can tell you that vision sense changed. Strategies, products, markets, uh, locations, just name it. It did all, okay? Mm-hmm. Till eventually we were lucky. Yeah. And, and this was pure luck, because after the movie Avatar showed, 3D became extremely popular and 3D displays become, became very, yeah. again, very common, etc. So it was not because of us. We were just there at the, with the right product at the right timing, you know. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and you waited until it will happen. You managed to wait and to stay alive as a company. It's not easy. So again, in retrospect, this is what we did. I, I did a few other revolutions. So I think that... And we should be very modest with the assumption that we can actually change the market dynamics. So I, and, and I know many companies that went belly up because they invested even 100 and 200 million dollars in trying to educate the market. And I learned that it makes much more sense to provide the market and, and to wait and to continue developing the product up to the point that the window of opportunity opens. Hmm. Um, So again, it's being humble and understanding that we have very limited capabilities. I love that. I can assure that you are really the person that you are telling about. You are just like that, which is amazing the way I see it. And um, finally, my question before I'll ask you uh, how people can reach you, 
My last question is, as my listeners know, my mountain question. <laughs> And yeah, it started because I always imagined this journey of building the awareness through trust in the mind of the consumers and customers in terms of making a business. I always imagined that as climbing mountains, step after step after step, and then reaching the peak. And then again, it's almost never easy. At some stage, I started to ask my guests, and that's what I'm asking you. Did you ever climb a mountain or wish to climb a mountain? Or do you want to take the metaphor of a mountain and tell us about that? Um, so the answer is yes and yes. First of all, <laughs> my life was never easy. And I climbed many mountains. In my army service, I climbed many mountains. Okay. <laughs> and I learned that the limit, my limit is only the limit of my belief. And as long as I have belief, I will make it, okay? And I mean, all marathon runners will tell you, and obviously I climbed high mountains, but it's not about that. Okay. Because I help a lot of people with brain tumors. And uh, unlike other diseases, people learn overnight that they're going, and, and they assume they're going to die. There is no warning, okay? Yeah. And uh, they enter a state of shock, and they many times just say, yes, doctor, to, to the first surgeon, and... And in many cases, it's, it's not the right move. And what I try to do is to inspire them to take more responsibility over their health and life, knowing that everything is like climbing a mountain. And, and I actually give this example because, <laughs> or let's say you're going through a tunnel. You could see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you don't know what potholes will be there and whether it, it will probably be cold and you will probably fall and you might even get hurt. But But if you don't lose hope and you don't lose your belief, you will make it, okay? So wow. life is a journey and we should not expect to eat chocolate <laughs> and to have that everything will be easy always, okay? That's not the case. So life is a journey and in a journey, sometimes you fall and sometimes you get hurt. But if you're inspiring to reach something that is Um, extremely important, whether it's to stay alive or to help other people's life, you will pick yourself up, you will pick up the pieces, and you will continue the journey. Wow. And you think that hope is a major factor in staying alive, isn't it? That's what you're telling us? Again, I think that different people have different motivations, but uh, for me, staying hopeful was critical because many times I lost my hope. And I crashed. Hmm. And somehow I, I was able to keep, you know, pick up the pieces. And, and sometimes it took me even weeks. You know, you have an MRI and you think that you, you're, you don't have a tumor. And then you learn that there is a residual. And you know that nothing could be done about it. I mean, it, 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 it cannot be more frustrating and depressing than that. Sure. But you know that you're going to die and there is no one in the world that can save you. Wow. And here, in retrospect, I'm alive and kicking. Okay, so <laughs> if, there is, if you could find even a small little fracture of hope, yeah. it can happen. And, and you know, uh, Herzl said, mm -hmm. where there is a will, there is a way. And this is the way I live all my life, you know? Wow. And, and, and I try to choose big, big and, and, and targets that are important So even when I lose hope, I, I will remind myself of the importance of the target and I will try to regain hope, you know. Hmm. And 
What's a great way to um, end the conversation? But before we say goodbye, what is the best way to um, be in touch with you for anybody that would like to, uh, to be in touch, to, um, to approach you through social media or sites? What is the best way to be in touch with you? So A, thanks. I love helping, uh, whether it's, God forbid, people that have a clinical issue or entrepreneurs, and I, I'm here to serve, and I, I mean it, and I do it. Hmm. The best way to approach me is via email. I don't have any social media, not Facebook, not WhatsApp. Uh, I do have LinkedIn, but I prefer pure email, okay? They would prefer it as well. It's A-V-I-Y at udipause.com. Udipause is, is my company. It's basically eudaimonia position. It's a term that Aristo set, and this is like reaching a physical, mental, and emotional health or wellness. This is what I want to do for humanity as much as I can, you know. Hmm. So we will put the email and your TED Talk and everything we can in the show notes of this, uh, of this interview. And Avi, I would like to thank you so much. It was just an incredible conversation and you are an incredible person and you know that I think so. And thank you so much for being with me here and with my listeners. Hayut, thank you so much. I'm just a regular, ordinary person that knows that I'm here to serve. And uh, thank you for allowing me the chance to get, you know, exposed to, to <laughs> additional people. So thank you and a big, big hug. A big hug and kisses. Bye. 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 And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.